On today's episode of the John Campy Show podcast, that TV show Suits, yeah, it's just set the all-time record for most weeks at number one. We're going to discuss that. Also, with the sad passing of Ray Stevenson, should Star Wars recast the role of Balin? Also, there's a report out there that says they've got the titles for all the upcoming episodes of Marvel's What If Season 2. Speaking of streaming, there's a lot of price increases going on, and we're going to talk about all the different price increases that are coming this month. And on top of that, Thursday Night TV is awesome again. We're going to talk about Gen V Episode 4. We're going to talk about Loki Season 2 Episode 1. That and a whole bunch more. The John Campus Show podcast starts right now. and salutations everybody welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet earth the john campus show podcast coming to you from right here in our quaint little studio i'm of course your host john campia and it is an awesome honor and privilege as it is every day to have you our international friends gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world movies and movie news tv and streaming and all sorts of good things not just giving you our opinions but hopefully giving you some information and context so you guys can form your own well-informed opinions whether they're the same we're completely different from ours. I'm joined in studio today by Ray Ora. Hey, what's up, everyone? Jonathan Voiko's right here. Hello. And joining us today, but not in studio, Gotham Geek Girl Nadia Martinez is here all the way from New York. Nadia, how you doing? Hey. Good, hey. good. Happy to see you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great. Nadia was actually down visiting L.A. Uh, a while ago, she got to come in, see the studio, and hang out with us for a bit. Uh, we're going to tell you all about her. If you guys don't already follow her, where you can find her on Instagram, YouTube, we're going to discuss that a little bit later. All right, guys, here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to start off by talking about all those topics that I just listed off, and then we're going to go over and start taking questions from you guys. If you guys who are watching live have a comment or question on any of the stuff we're discussing, you can go ahead and use the Super Chat feature and send that in, and we're also going to take topics and questions from our beloved YouTube channel members who we asked a little bit earlier today to start sending in some topics, and we'll get to those just a little bit later. All right, guys, with all that down, let's jump into it, and we're going to start with this. The TV show Suits that aired like seven years ago on the USA Network has just broken the record, the all-time record, for the most weeks in a row as the number one streaming show in the world. Uh, you know what show was? Either you guys want to take a guess what was the number one streaming show in the world? For, for, I mean, for the, that did hold the record for most weeks in number one? Um, I maybe Yellowstone. I don't know. No, it, that's actually, that's. I don't think that's considered streaming. It was a part. Oh, you're right. No, it wasn't part. Ozark? What's that? Ozark. It was Ozark. Ozark. Cheater. Was, Not was cheating. Number one <laughs> for eleven weeks in a row, and Suits has just broken that record for twelve weeks in a row as the number one streaming show in the world. Let's go over and take a look at the charts. This comes to us from the Hollywood Reporter, by the way. So Suits, again, this past week came in as the number one stream show in the world at 2.36 billion minutes viewed. Uh, number two was Virgin River on Netflix. I never even heard of this show until earlier today and <laughs> went and looked it up, but it's the number two streaming show in the world at 1.92 billion minutes. Netflix is One Piece, Comes in at number three at 1.39. Now, if you're looking at the screen here, if you're watching the YouTube video and you're looking at the screen, the reason I have Virgin River and One Piece in yellow is because those are actually original shows. And only two of the top 10 streaming shows in the world are originals. It's just Virgin River and One Piece. Anyway, at number four, 
Disney's The Little Mermaid got 1.37 billion streams. SWAT on Hulu, Netflix, and Paramount Plus got 1.04 billion. Bluey, Ray. Yeah. <laughs> Bluey came in at number Bluey, six. Baby. On Disney Plus at 973 million yeah. uh, minutes streamed. At number seven, Grey's Anatomy at 864. NCIS comes in at number eight. Uh, Coco Melon, which I'm not familiar with. Sounds delicious. Sounds wonderful, though. Comes in at 587 million. And at number 10, The Big Bang Theory came in at max at 561 million. Now, let's just go over for a second look at, we mentioned there's only two original shows on the overall list. If we do look at originals, it comes in at this. Uh, obviously, number one is Virgin River. Number two is One Piece. Number three, Wheel of Time. Number four, Dear Child on Netflix. Number five, Only Murders in the Building. At number six, Who is Aaron Carter? At number seven, Disney Plus's Ahsoka. At number eight, Special Ops. At number nine, Futurama. And at number 10, Disenchantment. Uh, within the last seven spots there, 459, 342, 313, and 298 million minutes viewed uh, overall. Uh, this is an astonishing feat. You know what this is kind of like? This is kind of like the GameStop and AMC meme stocks, this Suits thing. This, this show, this little show that not a lot of people watched when it was on the USA Network, probably because it was on the USA Network, <laughs> but then a lot of people starting to discover it. And I'll tell you what, I'm one of those people. And I love this show. Yeah. This show is, it's a fantastic show. I, I thought it ended a little weak, but whatever. For six and a half of the seven seasons or whatever it was, it was absolutely phenomenal. Anyway, Nadia, you had a chance to see you know, the list. It breaks this all-time record 12 weeks in a row at number one. Did you ever watch Suits? And, and if so, or if not, what do you attribute it staying that high in the ratings for so long? I actually have not watched it, but um, I'm intrigued. I feel like that's one of the blessings of streaming, that you can go back and watch really old shows. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to check it out. I mean, if it beat Ozark, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> and they said it only took 12 weeks. Well, it's been 12 weeks at number one. It's been in the number yeah. one spot for 12 weeks in a row. I was actually surprised to find out that Ozark, because I'll be honest, Ozark is one of those shows that everybody loves that I watched about three or four episodes. Ann and I watched it and we... It wasn't really for us, but I was actually kind of surprised to find out that it was spent like 11 weeks in a row. That's Jason Bateman, right? That's the Jason Bateman show. Yeah, my neighbors were addicted to that show. They're, uh, they they watched that show. Rob's addicted to that show, too. You know what I'm surprised didn't make that list? Because it's been playing all week at my place. What's that? Beavis and Butthead, baby. <laughs> I, I like the new Beavis and Butthead season because instead of music videos, they start doing the viral videos. They start like doing their little commentary oh, really? with like okay. TikToks or whatever. So I love it. It's like, it's like it's still the old Beavis and Butthead, right, but, but it's like when you were no more music generation. Yeah, but just to point out, it is not on the top team. Type no, 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 no. I'm, I'm just shocked. It's on Ray's top 10. Come on, America. I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised, you know, at some of the results. Like, again, if we looked at the original show's top 10, like One Piece, man, One Piece has been doing real well. I mean, if you if you compare it against something like Only Murders in the Building or something like Ahsoka, it's literally make it's got triple, triple the amount of views that that's some like popular shows like Only Murders in the Building, which I adore Ahsoka. Like, it's just crazy how good that's. And this Virgin River show that I had never even heard of until today. I just finished episode one of One Piece. <laughs> Is that all you can get through? And I actually like it. I, I just don't know when I'm going to continue it. The episodes are so long. 
Uh, Nadia, have you been watching any of like One Piece or Virgin River or the new season of Wheel of Time or any of that stuff that's like these top three shows on the streaming ratings right now? So I actually have not. Um, Virgin River, I only glimpsed at it because I noticed one of the actors from Grey's Anatomy. Right. Um, so that was kind of like, oh, maybe I'll check that one day as like a filler when I need to watch something that's like not as negative or as crazy as all the violence and Marvel shows and anime, like a cla- uh, palate, cl- palate uh, cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Speaking of Grey's Anatomy, that show's been around forever. And except for Virgin River and One Piece, Grey's Anatomy still has more people watching it than any other original streaming show. More than Wheel of Time, more than Only Murders, more than Ahsoka, more than Special Ops, more than Futurama. It's crazy how popular that show stayed. You know, Olive was addicted to Grey's Anatomy. Is she? That was her show. That was her. That was her show right there. All right. With that down, guys, let's move on to this, shall we? You know, uh, Ahsoka just had its series finale. I, I I did not think the show was very good, but it had a lot of people who really did enjoy it. But even somebody like me, who didn't think the show was all that good, one of the things that I thought they really nailed was this great new villain, Balin. He was incredible, portrayed by the always awesome Ray Stevenson, who's, who's now passed away, unfortunately. Uh, this is a character that like was was not your just your stereotypical one-dimensional mustache twirling evil for the sake of evil you know kind of thing he wasn't one of those guys at all he had you know there there's he's the ultimate kind of villain the one who also really perceived himself as looking out for the greater good and he had conviction and even the thought of like killing ahsoka to him was, uh, you know, it's it's a shame. I'd rather not. There's not many Jedi left. I, I don't want to kill Ahsoka if we don't have to or anything like that. He was just a fabulous villain. I hated the fact that they ended it with just leaving what his, it was he was doing com- completely open-ended and not bringing any closure to it at all, but whatever. Now, the question has become, and we've seen a lot of people bring this up online, is what do they do with the Balin character now? Because... A sort of similar situation happened, obviously, with Black Panther, that we lost the, the great Chadwick Boseman, and Disney and, and Marvel had a decision to make. Do we just write the character off, or do we recast the character and carry the character on? I thought they made a mistake. I thought they should have carried the character on. I still believe that would have been the best way to honor Chadwick Boseman is to continue on this magnificent character that he helped bring to life. And I think Black Panther Wakanda Forever suffered for the fact that they lost their main character. Well, now Disney and Lucasfilm kind of face a something of a similar situation. They've set up this fantastic new character. And granted, it's going to be very, very difficult for a lot of us who watched Ray play this character and play him so well to imagine somebody else playing him. But I, I got to say, I'm going to fall on the side that, yeah, I a hundred percent believe they should recast it. Ray helped bring this incredible, one of the best star Wars villains we've seen in a long time and brought him to life, actually gave breath and a heartbeat to it and all that kind of stuff. And, and even though it's going to be weird at first, to maybe see this character in the future, whether it's in a second season of Ahsoka or whether it's in something else altogether, I just think they would be serving the overall story better. They'd be serving the overall world of Star Wars better. 
if they recast him, even though I confess recasting him is not going to be easy, but I think ultimately it's what's best for the story. I think it's what's best for Star Wars. And I think it's the best way to honor Rey as well as to carry that character on. Anyway, Nadia, I mean, it always sucks when we have to have a situation like this, like we, we've just had this person who just said such a magnificent job playing this character no longer with us. And I can understand arguments to be made about maybe not recasting the character and just letting the character go. But what do you think ultimately they should do with this Balin character? And what do you think they will do? So two different questions. What should they do and what will they do? What do you think? So first, he finished filming before he passed, right? Yes, yeah. He, he did all his shooting and all of his filming yeah. long before he passed away, yeah. So um, I don't know. It's tough. Like, he's a beloved actor. He's been in Dexter. He's been in Vikings. He's been in Thor. Uh, he played the Punisher. He's even been um, in Star Wars as a voice actor in Star Wars Rebels and Clone Wars. Um, so I think he has, like, an attachment to Star Wars. Like, he was already a fan. And according to interviews, it seems like he was really like excited for this role. So I feel like that's always like when somebody kind of embodies like a character or becomes attached like to it. Um, and Disney Plus keeps pushing out so many shows. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I feel like he has an attachment to this character, so it's tough. But I have not finished the series, so it's fair for me to say how like how long this character could be, like if he could come back. Um, but if he is a major villain for this, then maybe recast him, but in an honorable way. And they did a tribute for him uh, for the first episode, right? I recall. Yeah. I remember the ended by saying for yeah. our friend Ray or something like that. Yeah. Or, yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, not you. So yeah, it's going to be a tough thing to do. I mean, there's no true right or true wrong answer to the question about should they recast him? I'm just, for me personally, I, I think recasting the character is the best way to move forward. The character sounds very important. I mean, well, not very important, but it sounds like something you can't just like. Uh, I mean, theoretically, theoretically, they could just leave the character. Just leave because it as it was. He Like the show ends with him stranded on a planet, which is by his choice and, and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, it wouldn't be narratively difficult to just move on without the character. I just think it would be a shame because I think this is one of the best Star Wars villains they've given us in a while. And uh, I, I just think it would be better for the world to move on. All right. Oh, yeah. Let's move on here. Next up. You know, a lot of people liked Marvel's What If?, I didn't. I mean, I thought a couple of the episodes of Marvel's What If were really good, to be honest. I think most of them were just kind of a waste of time, but whatever. What if season two is coming out? And a number of people are actually really quite excited about it. Well, according to CBR, at least what I'm being told, according to CBR, CBR put out a list of what is being reported as the actual titles for the upcoming, what they're saying is going to be 10 episodes of What If season two for those of you not familiar with what if what if is like an animated thing that marvel does that kind of imagines you know like in season one like what if steve rogers never took the super soldier serum and carter took it instead you know that sort of thing it's kind of a neat, really neat idea i like the idea it's kind of carried over something from the comic tradition so here again according to the reports that are out there is what they are saying are the 10 titles for the upcoming episodes of what if season two Episode one, what if Nebula joined the Nova Corps? Episode two, what if Peter Quill attacked Earth's mightiest heroes? Episode three, what if Kahori reshaped the world? Episode four, what if Hela found the Ten Rings? That's interesting to me. Episode five, what if Iron Man crashed into the Grandmaster? 
Episode six, what if Happy Hogan saved Christmas? Okay, sign me up. I want to see that one. I'm really excited about that one, actually. Episode eight, what if Captain Carter fought the Hydra Stomper? Episode nine, what if the Avengers assembled in 1602? And episode 10, what if Strange Supreme intervened? That Avengers assembled in 1602, that reminds me a little bit of like, what was it called? Batman by by uh, gaslight, yeah, gaslight, gaslight. yeah, yeah. Ga- yeah, Batman by gaslight lamp or gaslight. There was it? there was a uh, a run of comics that was like Spider Man sixteen oh two and whatever. Oh really? I yeah. didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's based off of that. Nadia, were were you a big fan of like what if season one? Um, and regardless of that, do any of these titles for the what if stuff do any of these excite you or stand out to you? Um, I think with what if like in terms from like the comics, it was a really exciting way for them to like explore like altered events um, and kind of tell stories in a way that you wouldn't be able to, I guess, like kind of get around like the constraints of like continuity. Right. So it's kind of a way to like, you know, like show ideas like Peggy. Um, we may not have seen Captain Carter. Um, we did now in the live action eventually uh, for uh, the multiverse. But it's like sometimes those events that we want to see, we may not get to. So what if is pretty exciting. Like the T'Challa Star-Lord. I love that episode. Oh, that one was good. Are there any of these 10 that we just listed off sound appealing to you or get you excited? Uh, I'm curious to see if there's like a Nebula and um, Gamora like head to head. Well, they have, um, they, the one gonna... they call is the one they've got here is what if Nebula joined the Nova Corps? The Nova Corps. So... That'd be kind of interesting to see, Nova. I suppose. What's that? Nova. Nova. I love Nova, Nova. babe. <laughs> I, I still got to tell you, I, even though, like, first of all, Happy Hogan Save Christmas. Okay. That sounds pretty cool. Um, what was the other one that sounded kind of neat to me? Oh, yeah. Hella Finding the Ten Rings. That's appealing to me. But I, again, I just kind of find the what if thing to be a bit of a waste. I, the, the first season, there was a couple episodes I thought were really good, but a lot of them were just, eh. And, and it sounds like they're just relying on what, what's been happening on the live action. I wish they just went into just characters, just the sentry kills everybody. Something like that, you know? Oh, like care, feature yeah, characters yeah, that haven't been in the live action That haven't movies. been in the MCU. Just, just, just go Some with more it. like an Elseworlds kind just, of thing. I think it would help Maybe in the introduction of like new characters, maybe if you set them off in just these little little episodes that don't have any consequence to anything, introduce the Sentry. If he's going to be in the Thunderbolts, introduce him in a short What If, just to get fans like, oh, I remember him from What If, you know. But I don't think What If is something you can introduce somebody in because you're not actually introducing them the way the audience is meant to know them, right? Because right. it's a different thing. So basically, if you try to introduce a character in What If, you're telling the audience, hey, here's your first exposure to this character. Oh, but now that we're in the real MCU, forget everything that you thought about him. Mm-hmm. This is a totally different thing. So it kind of yeah. defeats the purpose and a it's little not bit canon. of introducing them. It's yeah. not- we, we thought it was canon. Like when it was leading up to Multiverse of Madness, we thought, oh, that's that Doctor Strange, but it's not. It's, so it's none of it's like linked to the movies. All right, guys, listen. We still have to talk about all the price increases for the various streaming services. We're going to talk about Gen V episode four. We're going to talk about Loki season one or season two, episode one. But before we get to those, we're going to take a quick second here and thank a couple of sponsors of today's episode. Our friends, the most comfortable shoes I've ever owned at Vessi and the people who deliver some of the best meals to me. HelloFresh. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video 
Vessi. Now, you guys know I'm not exactly the most fashion conscious guy in the world, but I love a great pair of shoes that are comfortable and I can wear almost anywhere. And growing up in Canadian winters when my feet got wet a lot, waterproof would be nice too. Enter Vessi. They make the claim that they're not just fashionable and super comfortable, they're also waterproof. Now, you guys remember, when I got my first pair of Vessis, I put them to the ultimate waterproof test. I actually stuck my foot in my pool, my feet stayed dry, and the shoes stayed dry. Incredible. And they're the most comfortable pair of shoes I ever owned. Well, that made me want another pair. So I got another pair of Vessis that look great and just equal that world-class comfort that I got from that first pair of shoes. They are absolutely my favorite shoes that I've ever owned. Imagine your favorite sneaker style supercharged with waterproof technology and unmatched comfort. No matter how you like to stay active, Vessi has the shoes for you. Trail-ready high tops, effortless slip-ons, and classic court shoes, all with a waterproof twist. They are just as comfortable and stylish as your favorite sneakers, but even more versatile. So if you're like me and you want good-looking shoes that are ready for anything rain or shine, make sure you go to Vessi.com Campia and get yourself a pair today. Go to Vessi dot com slash campia and get shoes for your best summer yet guys we want to thank a sponsor of this video hello fresh with hello fresh you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep skip trips to the grocery store and count on hello fresh to make home cooking easy fun and affordable that's why it's america's number one meal kit kickstart a fresh fall routine with hello fresh hello fresh handles all the meal planning and shopping to deliver everything you need to cook up a tasty meal right at home they do the hard part and you get to take the credit hello fresh takes the stress out of mealtime by delivering fresh ingredients and easy recipes right to your door. So this fall, skip that extra trip to the grocery store and have dinner ready in no time with America's number one meal kit. Like we've mentioned before, Ann and I are both working professionals and mealtime is sometimes a bit stressful. That's why we absolutely love HelloFresh. It's nutritious, it's delicious, and we actually have a really good time making dinner together. So guys, Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Campia and use the code 50Campia for 50% off plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash 50Campia and use the code 50Campia for 50% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. And thank you to our friends at Vessi and HelloFresh for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show podcast. All right, guys, with that down, let's get on to this here, shall we? Streaming prices continue to go up. Uh, and we've talked about that a lot recently about, you know, various streaming prices, the services going up, but they seem to be going up across the board and they seem to be going up at a pretty exponential rate. Like when something costs $9 and it's like your price increase, okay, you expect it to go up to like maybe $9.25 or $9.50. But we're seeing like streaming costs and streaming prices and the cost of these services going up at a really rapid rate. It was not long ago that Disney Plus just launched. And didn't it, what was it, $6.99? Mm-hmm. Something like that. $6.99, and as of today, I'm paying almost double that at $10.99, basically 11 bucks. But guess what? It's going up even more. And just to highlight, here's the price increases coming this month. Woo! Discovery Plus. <laughs> not a lot of you, I'm, I'm sure not a lot of you guys who, who watch a show like mine, are subscribed to Discovery Plus? I do. I need to unsubscribe to it because I've got Max. But Discovery Plus, their ad-free plan is going up two bucks. It's going up from six ninety nine to eight ninety nine. This month, Disney Plus's ad-free plan is going up from ten ninety nine 
to $13.99, which now means it's official. Um, the cost of Disney Plus's ad-free plan is now going to be double what it was when they just launched a couple of years ago. <laughs> Hulu, which is one of my favorite streaming services, their ad-free plan is going up from $14.99 to $17.99. They better get their act together. And as we talked about the other day, we don't have a specific date yet for it for when it's happening. But as the Wall Street Journal reported the other day, we talked about it on the show, Netflix is planning on raising their ad-free plan price again, but they're going to wait until after the SAG strike is done before they make those announcements. So, I mean, just there right now, a couple of the staple streaming networks, Disney, who, I mean, if you subscribe to a couple of these, you're looking at paying another 10, 11, 12 bucks a month, maybe more just for the services you have. And it feels like just about six months ago, you also started paying another 10, 11, 12, 13 bucks a month. I think Max went up uh, previously. Max went up previously. Yeah. Yep. I mean, they've all gone up, but yeah. we're talking about like just this month. Yeah. These things are going up and soon after we got Netflix going up and I'm pretty sure that the price increases does do not stop there. Now, it's not a coincidence that all these price increases are for the ad-free plans. You guys remember, we talked about this before, that all of these streamers, now that they're getting on board with getting ad-supported plans, basically commercials, they're trying to herd all of us to go to the ad-supported plan because they make more money off of us watching commercials than they do of us paying for ad-free plans. That extra three or four bucks we pay for the ad-free, yeah, they'd make a lot more than three or four or five or six extra bucks off us a month if we were watching the commercials on their streaming service. So they're trying more and more to shepherd us over and corral us into there. And I think a time is coming when the ad-free service, the ad-free options are still going to be available, but they're not going to be three, four or $5 more than the ad supported. They're going to be two, three or four times more. So if you're paying like 10 bucks a month for an ad supported plan with commercials, I think you're going to be paying 25 to $30 a month for the ad free. I think that's coming and I think that's coming soon. So these new price increases are not going to stop now. Nadia, we were talking on the show the other day about, you know, I still think most of these streaming services, what you're asked to pay for them, you're getting a good value for it. Like you're getting a lot of content, but as the prices continue to go up, I think a lot of people are going to start hitting that point of now it's too much. Do you think we're already at that point where people are now starting to having to really reduce and pick and choose which services they're going to have and which they don't? And if not, how much more do you think they're going to be able to charge us before people start start dropping these services? What do you think? Um, I've been joking for years that we need to go back to cable. That yeah, it's it feels like be it. just as expensive, and it's literally happening. Um, literally happening. Like it's crazy. Um, I still love Netflix. I still love Hulu. I still love Max. Um, Disney Plus here and there, but it's just getting to the point where it's like. You have to pick and choose. Like I missed uh, the Continental because I'm not getting Peacock. I do still want to watch it at some point, but it's like, I feel like what people do now is they wait for there to be a lot of content or for a season to be almost over. Right. And then you'll get that. And then you'll try like the trial package and like, oh, let me try the free three months. And watch, Ray, like, Ray and makes a career out of doing that. Yeah, Ray my, does that as a career. That's my thing. I know with stars now. <laughs> So it's like, yeah, people have to kind of pick and choose what they want to watch because it's it's getting just as expensive as cable. It's it's crazy. I, let me. I'm curious about you. Are 
I have become a, an anti-commercial snob, I admit. Like, the, Hulu was the first thing I signed up for that was for when they offered an ad-free plan. And now I, I don't like watching commercials at all if I can avoid it. So I'm, I, I am paying for all the top tier of the streaming services so I don't have to watch the ads, but I may have to change that pretty soon. Are you, for some of the streaming services you're subscribed to, are you on the ad-free plans? Are you on the commercial-supported plans? Which ones are you on right now? Uh, ad free. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to ad go back, free. right? Like once you, once you get a show and you get a streaming service where you're not having to watch commercials, it suddenly feels kind of jarring when commercials start c coming on. But I don't know. I think a lot, I think, listen, and here's the thing. This is part of their master plan. Their plan is to make us go, well, we might as well go to the ad support. That's what they want us to do. And that just makes me want to go, No. I'm going to stay the with my sharing crackdown though is what's hurting because like, say yeah. like, um, with like Netflix, I'll have like a shared account and like, I'll share that one. And then like my friend will share like max. So it's like, ah, uh, if they get rid of that, everyone's going to have to each individually get every single app. Yeah. <laughs> and Netflix already started doing that. Disney announced they're going to start cracking down and it's only going to be a matter of time before the rest of them do as well. All right. With that down guys, Let's talk about this, shall we? Thursday night is now suddenly TV night. It's like the great night because we've got Loki is now playing, but Gen V. Of course, last week, Gen V, which is the spinoff show of The Boys, they launched by dropping three episodes. And listen, I think that is the absolute model that streaming shows should do. Ray and I were talking about this off camera before, that by dropping multiple episodes to start, you really give an audience person a chance to get connected to the show. And then you go week to week, episode to episode after that, right? It's brilliant. I, I've really felt that a lot with a lot of shows. And so much so that now when I watch a new show that just drops their first episode, I'm like, I don't know if I'm completely connected to it yet. But when you do things like Hulu's done this for a while too, you drop two episodes to start or drop three episodes to start. You really get a true sense of the show. You really get connected to it because last week when I watched the first three episodes of Gen V, I was just drooling, waiting for the next episode. I could not wait for the next episode to come. Well, last night, the next episode came, no pun intended, <laughs> and it was awesome. <laughs> it was so glorious. I love all the characters. And what was the name of the, the private eye? They got a tech something, right? The, the private eye soup who's got these superpowers. There he is. Who's got these superpowers oh, that yeah. he's like My basically God. Sherlock Holmes, a superpowered Sherlock Holmes. He can detect sweat beads, heartbeat increases, all this kind of stuff. He can solve any mystery, any crime. But true to the boy's form, he's got a little sicko kink in him too, <laughs> which when they showed it, my wife, Anne, literally rolled off the couch. She started laughing so hard. This guy is just humping everything he can get his dirty little hands on. Reminds me he's like, a, like Gen V's version of Ray Aura. Okay. So <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you were waiting for that one, huh? I was waiting for that one all day. I've been waiting to bring that one up all day. But again, the great thing about Gen V, like the boys is that, and I've said this many times, but it's got this really edge-pushing, you know, juvenile, like filthy exterior with tons of sex, tons of uh, 
you know, violence, gory, gory violence and all that kind of stuff. But underneath it, they have a show and a story filled with wonderfully multidimensional characters telling really great human stories that Rob and I said this the other week, that even if you take away the super powered aspect and you take away the comic book aspect of it, you are still left with a really good show with really interesting characters that all have 50 shades of gray. None of them are purely good. None of them are purely bad. And I am just loving this show. And by the way, I didn't even realize golden boy was Arnold Schwarzenegger's son. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. I'd heard the Schwarzenegger's kid was in the show. I didn't realize that golden boy was actually Arnold oh, Schwarzenegger's wow. son. But I mean, the whole thing, the, the drama going on between the dude and his dad, his dad, who is a uh, trustee of the school and a right. famous legendary superhero himself and finding out that his dad might be just as messed up as the villains he's training to fight. I, I, and I honestly, I think Cricket is becoming one of my favorite characters, not just in Gen V, but in the whole The Boys universe. She's the most grounded, real. I love the fact that she's got this really twisted superpower. And then, of course, we get to our main character with the whole blood control thing and her use of blood control in this as somebody, I won't spoil it, but as somebody was trying to take advantage of her. She used her blood control in a real creative and gross, grotesque way uh, that made every male on the planet recoil and cringe like, ah, uh, when it happened. The humor's on point. The violence is on point. The narrative and the story depth is on point. I absolutely love this show from the moment that it ends. My mental head starts a countdown until next week when I get to see the next episode. I am completely in love with this show. And uh, yeah, so I totally dig it. Uh, Nadia, you had a chance to watch Gen V. Uh, you and I have never talked about this, but I don't even know if you've watched The Boys before, or if you had that background to it. Uh, have you seen The Boys? What do you think about this world? And, and what did you think about the episode we saw last night? I am obsessed with The Boys universe. <laughs> I, I love the comic. I love the, the show. I think basically my way of describing it to people that haven't watched it is if imagine Kanye West had superpowers. It's, <laughs> it's basically like the craziest, most like obnoxious celebrities. If they had superpowers, like that's how it would be in real life. Like Homelander, it, that's exactly what a superhero would be. So I think the show is amazing. They, they do crazy outlandish things like the cock explosion and like all these other crazy things. But like you said, like it's grounded so many things, like themes of real life. Like this one, they, they touch on like mental health, eating disorders, um, nepotism. Uh, like it's like teenagers, like figuring out how, I guess, like how to go about being a teenager, but also having these powers. Then there's the whole like trauma of their parents forcing them to become heroes, like injecting them with um, compound VS children. So there's a lot of like darkness in this. And what I love is, Typically, like with prequels, I get a little nervous, but with this, like it, it took any like doubts I had away. It's basically expanding on the boys universe and it's showing us like how they got there. So like, even like, let's say with, um, A-Train, like, uh, like the manipulative things that he'll do to stay on top and even the deep, like to be in the seven, Right. this show really shows you like what they have to do. They have to be the best at social media. Like they have to have like the high numbers. People have to know who they are. 
um, if they save someone, it may not even matter if they're not the person that they want to have done that thing. Like, uh, it's, it's really manipulative. Like even the teachers, everyone involved, it's all about like a persona, like a show. So it's genius. I love it. You know, and one of the things you pointed out too, is like, like all these stories that they're telling about, like all the different issues you, you mentioned, even though none of us can relate with having superpowers, like all of us can relate with at least one or two or three of the characters in the show and issues they're facing, right? We don't often feel that watching a Superman story. We don't often feel that watching a Batman story, but watching this story in this world of the boys, it's got this weird draw that we can kind of identify with it while it's doing all this absolutely ridiculous stuff. It's it's absolutely crazy, and I love it. It's part of the reasons why Thursday are is must-watch TV for me. All right, with that down, guys, let's talk about the other reason Thursday is must-watch TV. Last night, Loki Season 2 had its debut. Now, I've I've been really of two minds on this because I didn't think Loki season one was all that great. I didn't think it was terrible, but I didn't think it was all that great. And that sucks because for me, Loki, played by Tom Hiddleston, is one of my top three favorite characters in the MCU. I just love this character and I love the way Tom Hiddleston plays him. And there were certainly elements of Loki season one that I thought were quite good. So I actually kind of started getting excited for Loki season two. Well, it debuted last night. I was really nervous. Marvel's Disney Plus stuff has been very, to put it kindly, hit and miss. And we're coming off of a real weakness in Marvel's secret invasion. I, I, th- I thought that was a big miss. So I had, I was real nervous going into this, but I'll tell you what, I really enjoyed C- uh, episode one. I really enjoyed it. And I, I couldn't be happier about that. As a matter of fact, if you guys remember, let me, let me take you back a little bit. If you guys remember the other day, I listed off five philosophical things that I think Loki season two needs to do in order to succeed, right? Well, let's let's take a look at those. So one, I said, continue Loki's evolution. Make sure that the character we start with in episode one is a little bit changed, a little bit transformed, learned, grow, grew, whatever, by the time we get to the end of the season. Well, obviously it was only episode one, so we're gonna have to wait and see if they do Loki's evolution. But number two, Establish Kang as the universe's main threat. This whole show, even though we never saw Kang, the shadow of Kang was hanging over everything about last night's episode. And so to me, check, they did it. Point number three, don't get lost in time travel nonsense. It's going to have a lot of time travel, but make sure you don't get lost in a lot of the mumbo jumbo. Well, what was it? All it was in time travel yesterday was basically what they did in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like, right? Bill and Ted's. It was completely Bill and Ted. <laughs> it was like, whoa, uh, how about after we're done, I time travel in the past and leave my guitar in the bushes yeah. so I'll know it's there. Reach in the bushes. Yeah. There's my guitar. Excellent. <laughs> That's exactly what they did. I so loved it. <laughs> they, did the, they were using time travel, but they didn't get lost in it, <clears> right? <throat> they really simplified it. And I love the way Kiyu Kwan is like, no, I've never done that. Wait a minute. Yes, I have. Yeah, you see him blink. You see his mind like shift. And then yeah. He blinks and then. By the way, Academy Award winner, Ki Hu Kwan, playing Obi, uh, which is great. Actually, one of our best friends' son's name is Obi. Uh, anyway, so Ki Hu Kwan was magnificent in this. So, so don't get lost in the time travel mumble jumble. Really, if you're going to use time travel, make it basic. And they did. And it worked really well. Also, number four. I said they got to elevate Loki. 
And this was just episode one, but the primacy of Loki was very clear. Like every scene, everything about it was the primacy of Loki. So even though we're only one episode in, I would say that's another check mark. And my number five thing that I said the other day that they really need to do is lean into the Loki and Mobius dynamic. A good chunk of this episode, whether it was, you know, at the, the loom or whether it was in the elevators or whether it was in the hallways, we got heavy doses of Mobius <coughs> and Loki together and their interaction and the dynamic. So granted, we have to wait till the end of the season to see if they're able to do point one, which is continue Loki's evolution. But if you look at these five points again, number one, continue his evolution. We'll see. Number two, check. Establish Kang is the main threat. Number three, don't get lost in time travel nonsense. Check. Number four, elevate Loki. Check. Number five, lean into the Loki-Mobius dynamic. Check. They checked all the boxes. And by the end of it, I was smiling. I had a good time. It does feel like, I'm going to admit this, it does feel like it's going to be a very rushed season because we're already like 15% of the way through the entire season and not a lot was actually accomplished when you really think about it. We haven't even seen Thrawn yet. Uh, we, have, we haven't even seen Thrawn. Where's yeah. Thrawn? <laughs> so I, but I got to tell you, as a first episode, as somebody who was kind of nervous going into it, as somebody who's been very dissatisfied with a lot of the Marvel offerings on Disney Plus of late, I got to say I walked away, and it's only the first episode, but I got to say I walked away from the first episode with a pretty big smile on my face. Nadia, uh, did you have a chance to check out uh, Loki Season 2, Episode 1? What did you think about the first season, and what did you, th most importantly, think about last night's episode? Uh, so I agree with that. I'm really vocal in my disdain with Disney Plus. <laughs> um, and my problem with Marvel lately is like everyone's an anti-hero. But what I do like what they're doing with Loki is this like redemption arc. It's at least like you said, like he's showing growth. Like he really does seem trying to change and like really actually cares pe about people now. Um, and I did really enjoy this first episode. I did not like the first season that much. It's not on the bottom tier of Disney Plus shows for me, but it's not in the top either. Right. Um, it had a lot of pacing issues for me. That was my main issue. Uh, and I think so far with this, we'll see when, with the next episode, but so far with this, I think they kind of fixed the pacing a little bit. The episode was pretty interesting like, the whole way through. Um, and then, uh, uh, Kwan is like an Oscar winning actor and he was just like a wacky and fun character. I wonder uh, if they're going to show him more and kind of give him a little more to work with. Um, but I don't know. So far, I thought it was pretty interesting. And then, like, uh, I guess everything with majors, um, kind of wondering how they're going to address this going further, if they're just still waiting. Um, and then, like, the six-episode format, I absolutely hated it. It never worked. So I don't really know how they're going to address Kang and the big villain and wherever to go, leading up to whatever's next in the MCU. But um, so far, I enjoyed the episode. Yeah, and, and look, one of my big worries was when they started talking about Kihu Kwan from the previews, it looked like he was just going to have a quick cameo. He's got a big role, obviously, in episode one. And while I don't want this to become the Loki and Obi show, I, I do hope we get a lot more of Kihu Kwan in the remaining five. Again, it's, by the way, just in case to be clear, I really liked episode one. 
Disney, your six episode format is fucking bullshit. Will you stop this nonsense, please, and get to real length seasons? Anyway, uh, that being said, I do think episode one got us off to a really good start and I quite enjoyed it. I hope they were able to carry on that momentum into the next few weeks. Oh, one more thing. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. I thought the time slipping was amazing. Because oh, typically great. I am not impressed with their uh, like um, visuals lately. They, they did a great job on the time slipping. It looked painful. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it, it, it freaked me out every time it happened. Well, I love that yeah. conversation in the elevator. It's like it's like you're being born and dying at the same, at same time. time. It's awful. I, oh, it was great too when they were in the elevator talking, and it goes, "Didn't it look gross?" Yeah. And all of a sudden, you realize there was this other girl. So in the, that's <laughs> one thing. It's a it's a return to that classic Marvel comedic hits, but not being silly or outrageous. It yeah. had a lot of those good little comedic um, moments, but you're not like, "Oh, well, that was just stupid." You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, guys. With that down, we're going to now move over and start taking your questions that you guys have been sending in, both our live viewers who've been sending in Super Chats and our YouTube channel members who've been sending in topics. But before we do, we're going to take another quick moment and thank another sponsor of today's episode, my mobile service provider, and they should be yours, the great folks at Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video. Mint Mobile. Signing your life away to a big wireless provider is kind of like being trapped on a roller coaster from hell. Sure, it looks like fun at first. They probably even threw in a free phone, but now you can't get off. Month after month of insane bills and unexpected thrills, like overages and surprise fees. If that sounds like your current big wireless plan, it's time to get off the ride with Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans for Mint Mobile are just $15 a month. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for just 15 bucks a month. You guys know before I came to Mint Mobile, I was paying triple what I am paying now on the standard big wireless plan, and I will never go back. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get your new unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped right to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com campia. That's mintmobile.com dot com slash campia cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia and thank you to our friends at mint mobile for sponsoring this episode all right guys let's get over and start taking your questions shall we we'll start off with the super chats that you guys have been sending in while watching live uh, unfortunately we have turned them off at this point so we've got as many as we can so uh jonathan what do we got up first all right first up we've got ron h who says i'm actually going to watch loki uh season two episode one tonight all signs point to it being a great episode i know everyone seems to be excited but so many of the d plus start stuff starts strong and ends well yeah no listen you are 100 percent right about that quite often the Disney plus shows start strong. They do not always end strong, but I am going to take each show and on its own value on its own merits and just say Loki season two, episode one was off to a strong start. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. Do I suspect it may go downhill because that's been the pattern of Disney? Sure. But you know what? I'm going to leave that out of it for now. I'm just going to take each episode as it comes. And you know what? Episode one was really good. So here's hoping they can keep that going. All right. What's next? Uh, seconds from a disaster writes, not going to lie. I think most of the minutes steamed for uh, or streamed for Bluey and Virgin River are probably from my daughter and girlfriend. And you know Ray. what? I watched the trailer for the first time. What's it called? Virgin River? Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. I watched the trailer for it for the first time this morning because I said, this is like the number two streaming show right now. And like, what is this? And I watched it and I thought, this looks like a Hallmark movie. 
But I guess that that sells. Yeah, I when you said it, I was like, okay, it's either like Yellowstone or it's Hallmark. So yeah, it looks very, very Hallmarkish as far as Bluey, like your daughter, girlfriend, and Ray um, watching Bluey. Yeah. It's you know I was shocked how many people love Bluey. I don't know. Have you ever watched Bluey? Like I, I was stunned to find out how many people watch this. But have you ever watched it? Mm-mm. No. No, me either. Well, I don't know what it is. <laughs> what? It's all about a little animated blue Come dog. On. She knows what Coco Melon is, but she doesn't know what Bluey is. <laughs> I also do not know what Coco Melon is. I don't know. All right. What's next? Uh, Zach writes. Uh, a team oh, by the way, Zach sent in like $20. Thank oh, yeah. you, Zach. Appreciate that, man. Uh, a team of multiverse of Avengers led by Toby's Spider Man, Hugh Jackman, Wolverine, and Deadpool. Take it with a grain of salt. What are your thoughts? Who would you want to lead the multiverse Avengers? First of all, that just sounds like a mess. That just sounds like a mess of a movie. That sounds more like could be a what if some some dude who does animation making a quick little YouTube video. I wouldn't personally. I wouldn't want to see it. Um, something like that. Listen, Wolverine is not traditionally a leader per mm-hmm. se, right? Um, basically, your leader should whatever version of Captain America you have, whether that's Captain Carter, whether that's some other. I mean, whether it's Sam, whether it's Steve. Ideally, it's Steve, but I mean, that's your leader. Uh, and if not, then maybe Cyclops. So that's who I would see as it. All right, what's next? All right, Zach is back with another $20 Super Chat. Thank you, Thank you Zach. So much. Hi, John and crew. This is going to be a two-message Super Chat, as we found out. Uh, so bear with me. I keep seeing rumors of the upcoming Avengers movies, and they're all the same. Avengers lose in Kang Dynasty and in Secret Wars, the TVA recruits. Is oh, it th- so the TVA recruits oh, that, that, a team we got of that multiverse out of Avengers led by Toby Spider-Man, Hugh Jackman, Wolverine, and Deadpool. Okay, so first of all, ignore all the rumors. They're changing writers. They have not been writing for four or five months. The writer's strike has been on. Uh, they had just brought on writers at one point, and it sounds like they're switching writers out. I've, a lot of people, listen, a lot of times people just make up rumors. Here's the problem, though. One out of every 20 rumors that we see floating around online about different things ends up being true. And then people go, see, online rumors are true. And then they just forget about the 19 out of the 20 that are end up being bullshit, right? Um, the, something like this, I think, is just a lot of people throwing spaghetti at the wall because it's like, well, in the last set of Avengers movies, the bad guy wins at the end and that leads us into the next one. So that's, let, that's what they're going to do this time too. And it's possible. I mean, it is a possibility they could do that. But I just have no idea. But listen, there is no final script of either of those movies right now. They're going through a flux. They just moved off each of those movies by a year because they don't have a script. So anybody telling you that they know what's happening in this upcoming movie, I wouldn't listen to them personally. All right, what's next? All right. And by the way, thank uh, you again, Zach, for supporting us on that level and sending those questions, man. We really appreciate that, dude. All right, what's next? Uh, Devin Lita writes, uh, the new host physician uh, media collection would be would make Sir Robert Meyer Burnett proud. Celebrating 35 years of life today, bring on the filthy. I have no idea where the new, let me see that again. Well, she's not a new host, she's our guest. But um, Oh, physician, she probably meant physical media, yeah, not physical, physician. physician. The new host physician media so collection. So like her physical like, media what's collection. What's the new host physician media collection? <laughs> I've never heard of it. Yeah, like, Nadia, you got a whole bunch of DVDs behind it, DVDs and Blu-rays. I had Rob on my podcast. We did an episode about physical media. Oh, get physical? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got what, how big would you say your collection is? Uh, my comic collection is is ridiculous. But I mean, like, I, phys- like physical media, like DVDs, Blu-rays, things DVDs, like that? DVDs, not too crazy, but I do have a lot of, like, old-school DVDs that I'll probably have to, like, 
get newer versions, like Blu-ray versions of, oh. like like old school, like Sopranos, <laughs> The Tudors, Dexter, uh, Spartacus, like all those I have like on old DVDs. But and I have a lot of uh, like Korean movies on DVD. All right, what's next? All right, uh, so we did that. So John Redcorn, did you hear Chris Rock is directing an MLK biopic with Sp uh, Spielberg producing? Over under 25% Will Smith is cast as MLK. <laughs> now, I don't think MLK will be cast. I mean, I don't think Will Smith will be cast as an extra. Yeah, no, I I don't see uh, Chris Rock casting. Uh, casting. By the way, yeah, and it is true. Chris Rock is directing oh, he is. This, this thing, which I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know how I feel about that. Now, now granted, this is not going to be a big blockbuster. I don't know if Chris... Can you look up his IMDb? I don't know if Chris Rock has ever directed anything. I, I think he did. Um, did he? I mean, because uh, I don't think he... He, he didn't direct that Saw movie he That's did, what I, I thought believe. he directed. Well, let me see. I know he starred in it. I don't think he directed that. I could be wrong. But, like, I often don't think that a big, huge tentpole blockbuster is at all the appropriate place for somebody to be directing their first I only thing. see producer, actor, and writer. I don't see yeah. director. I don't think something that's going to be involving someone as important as Martin Luther King is something that should be somebody's first directorial effort. I mean, listen, I love Chris Rock. Ann and I went to go see uh, Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle in concert uh, in San Diego a couple of months ago. I love Chris Rock. That dude's hilarious. <laughs> However, it did say uh, produced by Spielberg. So if you're under the tutelage of Spielberg. Yeah, but here's the thing about Spielberg. <laughs> Spielberg puts his name as a producer on a lot oh, of stuff that away. he never has anything to go. do yeah. with. Yeah. Yeah, That's which true. one? Which movie are you talking about, John? Which movie are you talking about? Well, name the him. greatest movie ever made. Well, Terminal? he actually directed that. movie. He directed. Oh, that, he right? directed. Which oh, is odd. Which is That's odd. why. That's why it's the greatest. That's kind of the odd part about that. That's movie. why it is the. For greatest. those who don't know, what we're talking about. He's talking about the Terminal. Steven Spielberg's One Bad Day at the Office. No, it's not. Come on. I still can't believe you like that movie. It's not just me. I, you There's and Ann in your I, house. That you looks and Ann both like it. I don't get it. Yeah, I, we have good taste. I thought All you were right. going to say like Lily or something. Like she enjoyed watching it with you. No. <laughs> All right. What's next? Uh, David uh, Cushmore uh, writes, is there going to be an Ahsoka season two? What is next for the Bad Batch series and Mandalorian? Is Star Wars going to make anyone um, or any movies next? What is next for Andor? That's they are. Okay. So uh, Dave Filoni has just publicly stated that uh, an Ahsoka season two has not yet been greenlit. Um, and I... Which surprised me at first, because like if we go back and take a look at this, mm -hmm. like uh, the top the, ten streaming chart uh, came out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on NDI here, yeah. The top ten streaming chart came out, and Ahsoka isn't anywhere to be found. And even if you just go to only originals, um, it's only down at number seven, behind things like Who Is Aaron Carter, Only Murders in the Building, Dear Child, and Wheel of Time. Um, so I was a little bit surprised at first when Dave Filoni said they haven't greenlit Ahsoka season two, but here's what I think. There's going to be a season two. I, I have a hard time believing that they won't do a season two. Um, if for no other reason than that they've already announced that Dave Filoni is going to be directing this live action Star Wars movie, which is basically going to be the Mandoverse, which I'm sure Dave Filoni is going to turn into the Ahsokaverse. But... Um, if, if for any other reason alone, I, I think that almost guarantees they're going to do an Ahsoka season two. I mean, they certainly didn't answer any mysteries or any questions at all in season one. They left 
everything open-ended. J.J. Abrams loved it. Yeah, J.J. Abrams was all about it. But no, listen, I, I, I think they'll... De- I would be very surprised. Let's put it that way. I would be very surprised if they didn't do season two. I know it didn't get the numbers they were kind of hoping for, but they've, there's so much else that they're doing is that's kind of building on that, that I, yeah, I, 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 I'll be shocked if they don't do a season two. I think we are absolutely going to get a season two. As far as Andor goes, yeah, they already announced a long time ago, Andor season two, completely greenlit. The the season's completely written. They were just waiting for the writer's strike and now the actor's strike to be done and they can get everything going on that. So uh, yeah, that's all that. De- Andor season two is definitely coming. Andor, the best thing Star Wars has done since the original trilogy. All right, what's next? Uh, Matt Boyle. Uh, hey, John, are you planning on seeing you two in Vegas anytime soon? Yes. Ann and I got our tickets. We're going to be going to Vegas to the new, um, sphere, which like everybody, every celebrity coming out of that saying is the greatest concert experience ever. Like you two greatest band ever. And what is everybody seems to unanimously now say the MGM sphere is probably the greatest concert venue in the world. And if you guys have not seen any of the video footage, of fans. I mean, just go up, look up LeBron James video of it, but it looks insane. And I've like, I've stood in front of the MGM sphere. It's just from the outside. It's insanely amazing. I can't wait to see it from the inside. So yeah, we're, we're definitely going. All right. What's next? All right. Moving on to member chats here. Uh, our member questions, I should say. Um, Dajobu writes, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 25% of Exorcist Believer was totally accurate. Uh, Massive plot holes, inconsistencies throughout, subpar acting, and it lurched and stopped like a crappy old wooden roller coaster. Two out of five from me. That's too bad. I got to admit, I've been getting kind of excited about that movie. I thought the trailers were really good. I thought the kids looked really super creepy. I I thought we could be in for something good. Now, again, I haven't seen it myself yet. Uh, I... I, (laughs) Could and decide she didn't want to see it, so it's like okay, so I got to figure out a time that I can go myself to go see it. But yeah, it's kind of unfortunate to hear that. Thanks for giving us your thoughts on it, man. All right, what's next? King Daddy Go writes, "Hey crew, I hope all is well today. I checked out the first episode of Loki this morning, and I actually really enjoyed it. I love the overall chaotic atmosphere from where we left off from season one. Here's to hoping this episode wasn't just a warm fart on a cold toilet seat. <laughs> Have a great Monday. Bring on the filthy or day." You know what, um, Nadia, you pointed out that one of the problems, and I agree, that one of the problems with Loki season one was pacing. There, there, there was definitely pacing issues in there. Sometimes it felt frantic and all of a sudden it felt like it was, you're dragging like through a through quicksand or something like that. The pacing of that first episode was fantastic. I mean, it had this frenetic kind of, did you see that as an improvement over season one? Oh, absolutely. Already just in the first episode, like I was, paying attention, like, and like, and interested in the episode, like the whole time it was like exciting, like every moment. It was just, I don't know. For me, it was better. (laughs) Yeah. I thought they did a great job with the pacing on that. All right. What's next? Alan writes, happy Friday can't be a crew. I watched the last episode of Loki seeing Kihu Kwan makes me so happy. Do all of you have any actors uh, that make you happy when you see them? I mean, Kihu Kwan's become that. I mean, he just, it just makes me happy to see him on screen. I don't know why Zach Galifianakis is still that for me. Mm-hmm. When I see Zach Galifianakis, I just, it puts a smile on my face. I, I love a lot that of, guy. for a lot of people, Paul Rudd is common. Paul Rudd. Absolutely. If Paul Rudd is in something, that thing just to me got 10% better. Honestly, Owen Wilson, he's in this too. Yeah. <laughs> love Owen Wilson, uh, is great. Uh, funches, uh, the Anne, like just yeah. Anne lights up whenever Funches is in anything, mm-hmm. she completely lights up. 
But yeah, Kihu Kwan popping up in this is has just kind of elevated it for me a great deal. Who who is it in um uh WandaVision? He plays the agent, agent um Oh, um, Randall uh, Park. Randall uh, Park. Asian Jim. Randall Park. Randall, Randall Park. Park. Yeah. Oh, I love Randall Park. Great seeing him. By the way, if you have not seen Randall Park and Ali Wong. Ali Wong's uh Always Be My Maybe, I think is right. what it's called. Right. Yeah, that's it, right? Always Be My Maybe. Right. If you have not seen, I, I'm not a huge romantic comedy guy, but it's on Netflix. Keanu Reeves is in it too, by the way, and he's amazing in it. Even if you're not normally into rom-coms, I highly, 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 highly recommend Always Be My Maybe. Really, really funny movie. All right, what's next? Okay, um, Jay Superboy. Hey, I'm loving Owen Wilson more and more, and after watching Loki, I feel like having a happy meal. Keep it filthy. Oh, yeah, because... <laughs> I listen, I just love that dude. I, you know, but you know, we had a kind of a serious discussion uh, after the show yesterday here in studio about Owen Wilson. Cause like for a while there, Owen Wilson was like right up there with Will Ferrell's and uh, um, why am I freezing on Steve's Steve Carell, Steve Carell, like as the comedy guy, like if, if Owen Wilson is something is in something, you could probably get excited about it. And then there was that whole thing about the attempted suicide, which I got to admit for me, it took me a number of years to be able to laugh with Owen Wilson again. Because like for the first couple of years, it was hard to laugh with Owen Wilson because you knew there was some, some, some really dark stuff going on with him that put him in a bad place in his life. And it was, it was hard to laugh again. And I feel like just the last couple of years, I've gotten back to that place. Because man, Shanghai Noon, it's, that's the movie that I discovered Owen Wilson was Shanghai Noon. I <laughs> Princess love Pee-Pee. him. In, what's that? Princess Peepee. Yeah, we gotta I, rescue Princess Peepee. I love him. And that's a terrible name, John Wayne. Where are you, John Wayne? Uh, that's a terrible cowboy name. Um, love him. Obviously, Wedding Crashers is a top ten greatest comedy of all time for me. I could watch that every year for the rest of my life. Wedding Crashers is like one of the most laugh out loud per minute movies I've ever seen. I just love the guy and to see him really be able to deliver that peak Owen Wilson-ness opposite of Tom Hiddleston and their dynamic together really elevates uh, Loki for me. All right, what's next? We got Dildar Sands Glorious writes, John, just wanted to say your performance in The Incredible Hulk, Hulk absolutely moves. That's right. Me. You should have gotten an Oscar for Best Unseen Background Character. <laughs> I got a shrine dedicated to it. Uh, I'll tell you, listen, I, I, I will often refer to it as my movie. Uh, I refer to uh, Ed Norton as my co-star in that movie. I thought I absolutely played uh, soldier number four and uh, security guard number two better than any of those roles I've ever been played before. Uh, I'm an exceptional actor. I was robbed. Get your residuals. Yeah, where's my residuals? Where the hell are my residuals? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) All right, what's next? Uh, Abel, oh, wrong one. Uh, Abel writes, um, was it just me? Uh, but in the first five minutes of Loki, I was more scared about the presence of Kang than in the whole Ant-Man movie. I mean, I, I feel like they, yes. 100%. 100%. I just kept thinking, like, here's our dread. Without even having Kang on screen, you felt the the dread presence of Kang more than you did in all of Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania, even though he was physically there. Um, and that was one of the keys for me, if you remember. That was one of the five keys for me that they really need to accomplish. And that shadow of Kang 
hung over everything in episode one. And they, they nailed that part and they need to continue to nail that. All right, what's next? All right, we've got uh, Naftali writes, uh, do you believe that the new John Favreau Dave Filoni universe is their way of creating their own sequel trilogy? And do you think that Luke and Leia will appear in their film and that it will be loosely based off the heir to the Empire story? No, it's not going to be loosely based off. I mean, you can do anything and say it's loosely based. So that's another thing. I, I don't know what they're trying to do, to be honest with you. Um, it, their, their Mando versus struggled a little bit as of late. Um, you know, Book of Boba Fett was just garbage. Uh, Mandalorian season three was the weakest of the three seasons. Um, Obi-Wan, which, which really did, well, Obi-Wan didn't have anything to do with Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni. So you can't blame Obi-Wan on them. But I, I thought Ahsoka was fairly weak. Uh, that's just me. But I, I, so I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what they're trying to do. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't, I'm not even sure that that movie's going to happen. Because this is Lucasfilm we're talking about right now. Yeah. Their whole business model is announce movies that we never make. So, I mean, I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see how that goes. The one to announce. <laughs> What's next? <laughs> All right. Uh, Callum writes, hey, crew, uh, can we just talk about the explosion scene in Gen V last night? Oh, well, I, I don't want to go into it because I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it. Again, main character has blood control powers. And they've already done some pretty cool things with it. But there's somebody trying to take advantage of her. And she does a creative use of blood control power that uh, made anybody with uh, the Y chromosome real, real uncomfortable. Real uncomfortable. It was, uh, yeah, it was it was something else. All right, we got time for two more. What's next? All right. Um We've got uh, Srujan writes, I didn't realize how much I missed Loki until I saw uh, season two, episode one. I love this show. I have not loved the show, but if they keep doing what they did last night, they're getting me back on board because, man, they got off to a really good first first episode start, man. That was a really good first uh, uh, like way to get come out of the gates, come out of the great gates strong, uh, answer that bell. Every sports analogy I can throw in there, they did a great job, and I hope they're able to continue it. All right, last question of the day. What's All the right, this last one's from uh, Dr. Stinky. I'll read the question while I write, roll credits on our wonderful channel members here. Um, Dr. Stinky writes, Hey, John and crew, I don't know about you, but in my humble opinion, Loki Season 2, Episode 1 is the best piece of Marvel art has released since Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. Everything is perfect in this episode. Everything from the cinematography, the story, the plot, the score, the set. It felt like 80s horror sci-fi. Everything felt fresh. Uh, am I crazy or did a little bit of the tone feel like Wes Anderson? Um, anyway, love y'all. Bring all the filthy. I mean, look, the great thing about the art is that it hits us all in different ways and it hit you that strong. Listen, I loved the first episode. I, I'm going to back the truck up a little bit on the whole, it's the greatest piece of art that Marvel's done. And what I, I, I would not go that far. Uh, I mean, um, it was a real good first episode, but there's a ton of stuff that the episode did not do. It's just one episode. It's episode one, right? There's a lot of things that it did not do. What it did, it did real, real well. But I would list about 10, 15 things that Marvel has done since Guardians of the Galaxy 1 that have been better than last night's episode of Loki. But, but here's the important thing. The important thing is it felt like I was watching Phase 3 Marvel again. 
Like it just, it felt like they were firing on all cylinders. And out of the 10 projects that they've put out since Endgame, only two or three of them have really felt that way. I think Shang-Chi felt like great classic. Um, I think Shang-Chi is probably the best thing Marvel's done since Endgame. Uh, WandaVision was fantastic. Ms. Marvel is fantastic. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 was fantastic. The Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special was fantastic. I really liked, uh, I almost said 30 Days of Night. Um, uh, the horror short they did. Oh, uh, Werewolf by Werewolf Night. Werewolf by Night. By night. Like 30 Days of Night. Werewolf by Night, I thought was really quite excellent. So no, I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't go that far at all. That Loki, that last night's episode was the best thing they've done in 10 years or anything like that. But it was really, really good start. Um, so yeah, I, I, I thought that was great. All right, guys. And that'll do it for today's episode of the John Campion Show podcast. Thank you so much for being here and making this little show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those questions. For you guys watching live, for sending in those super chats to our YouTube channel members, for sending in your topics. Not only did you give us great things to talk about, but you also supported us as you did it. And all of us involved with the show, thank you guys so very much for your support. Don't forget a little bit later this afternoon, we're going to have an open mic. Come on back and join me for that. Also, we have a podcast feed. Make sure you go and subscribe to our podcast, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app of choice. Go and subscribe to it because you can't always be in front of a YouTube video. Maybe you're commuting, maybe you're at work, maybe you're off for a jog. Make sure you got our audio podcast on your podcast service so it'll be there when you need it. I want to thank, first of all, the guys in the room with me, Ray Ora. Have a good weekend, everyone. Jonathan Voiko. See you Monday. And guys, you need to go follow Nadia at Gotham Geek Girl on Instagram, on YouTube. Nadia, thank you so much for being here. And where else can people find you other than Instagram and YouTube? Are there other places you can direct them? Uh, predominantly Instagram, YouTube, my website, GothamGeekGirl.com. And I also do podcasts with Otakus and Geeks. And I started my own podcast, so I am on Spotify. And is it just called Gotham Geek Girl? Uh, T with Triple G. Okay, there you go. And guys, thanks so much for being here. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.